Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome to a very special episode of the Heat vs. Storyl podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. What's going on, y'all? We got Orchard. What's up? And we got George. What's up, Nation? All right. And now we got a very special guest. This guy is the NCAA champion. Uh, he won the NCAA Final Four Most Outstanding Player in 2019. He was a two-time first-team All-ACC while also being the ACC Tournament MVP. And to add on to this, he was named Mr. Basketball for Indiana and the McDonald's All-American in 2016. And last but not least, he's someone who's earned a title as a Heat legend already. Say what's up to the Heat versus the world audience, Mr. Kyle Guy. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. All right, so thank you for agreeing to hop on today, and we cannot wait to get started, so let's get right to it. Um, So something that a lot of people don't know was that you had to turn down a lot of calls to sign a 10-day contract earlier in the season because of COVID. So when you finally cleared protocols and you get that call from the Heat asking if you'd be interested in signing with the team, like, what was your initial reaction yeah, it was crazy times, man, because, you know, uh, the day before the G League showcase, which was in Vegas, which is a big deal if you're playing in the G League, it's a good opportunity to play in front of all the GMs. And most of the 10 days on a non-COVID year happened right after that. So even more so during a COVID year. Um, and day before the plane takes off, I tested positive. So I had to quarantine the full 10 days um, until December 27th, I think it was. Um, and, you know, a bunch of teams were calling, asking if I would sign a 10-day with them during those 10 days, and I had to say, no, I can't, um, et cetera. And so when the 27th happened, um, Orlando called, and the Magic offered me a 10-day, and we said yes. Um, and then not even maybe three minutes after we said yes, um, the Heat called. And we just felt that that was a better situation. Um, the same play style, love spell. My agents had a really good relationship with the, with Pat and the GMs. So it just uh, it, it made sense. So we called Orlando back and we're like, hey, actually, uh, 
we're gonna go to Miami. Um, and so I think it worked out. Yeah, man. I definitely don't I definitely don't blame you for that. No shade to Orlando though, man. But <laughs> no, no, no. I would have loved to go there too. Oh, but of, I course, just, of course. I felt like Miami's like they were on a roll, they were playing for something this year, and you know, they needed some some scoring while some guys were out. So yeah. Well, I remember when the Heat had first signed you. I was excited because I knew you was with Sacramento for a little bit and I knew you had played well there. But of course, I remembered you as the guy with the big cojones who hit the three straight free throws in the final four versus Auburn. So I'm curious what you remember thinking as you was walking up to the free throw line and also how you generally approach these crunch time situations. Because I'm not going to lie, I'm in an adult men's league right now and I've been struggling with my free throws. So I could use the advice. <laughs> on that. Yeah. Um... You know, I don't really uh, believe too much in pressure, uh, but that was definitely an all-time, you know, for lack of a better word, pressure moment. Um, and I just remember thinking I was really calm um, on the inside. I was definitely, like, nervous, but it was, like, a, a good nervous, like, you know, type of nervous that makes you feel alive and makes you, like, you know, this is this is good. This is what I've always practice always dreamt of and now it's finally here like you kind of get the butterflies it was that type of nervous um while I was there so I felt really um relaxed honestly and I just remember thinking you know um, like I just mentioned I had thought of this and I had practiced game winning shots game winning free throws all of this I had visualized it since I was a kid um and I just remember telling myself as soon as I got the ball um for my first free throw I was like man there's 80,000 people in the gym right now and there's probably five million watching uh, you know, around the world. So, you know, why not make all three? And and that's, that's what happened. So that's, that's really awesome. I have a, I have a similar question kind of going to your college days. So in 2018, the retrievers pulled the first 16 to one seat upside on you guys. And I know it was really challenging for you, but the next season you guys would go on to win the championship. How do you feel like your mindset changed in, in between the seasons and how did you prepare yourself for the March madness in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, without losing to UMBC, um, I'm not sure that we win it the following year. Like, I really think that propelled us. Um, now, who knows? Maybe we would have won it the year that we ended up losing. So that that point could be null and void because we had a really good team. But I just – I really, truly think that um, it helped bring the team – closer all of our ideals and and goals and ambitions were on the same page after that you know we got closer because of how difficult and how much adversity we went through um after that so um you know overall it, it's one of the better things that's ever happened to me in my basketball career um it just kind of lit a fire in, a, in, in multiple areas of my life that just um have, have never been the same uh, since for the better I'm going to take you back to your the start of the uh, uh, your heat tenure as well. You said that you you just went through COVID. You had just turned down an offer from the Orlando Magic to accept it with the Heat. Um, I'm just saying, what what did you do to prepare for that role? Were you ready to take on that role to come in because you knew that the Heat was coming? Uh, you know, suffering from injuries. Yeah. As well? Were you ready to contribute? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was kind of the whole idea. I mean, I went to so I was with Golden State in the summer league. I thought I fit in well there and, you know, something would come to fruition from that. And it didn't fine. Moved on, decided I had like four options to go to training camp, chose Cleveland, thought I could make the roster, um, help and contribute to that team. Um, didn't go my way or whatever. So I signed with their G League team because I was like, you know, I still think I can give something to this city and this team. 
um, while I'm betting on myself and playing in front of every other team in the world. Um, so I had a really good season with, with uh, Cleveland for the first 11 games. Um, and I just rem- remember, like, I, before every game, I was like, man, just remember, like, I'm, I'm betting on myself. This is this is that's what the G League is a lot of the time is you're taking less money than you could get somewhere else to say, no, I'm an NBA player and I'm going to make it happen. And so, um, you know, first it was just a lot of gratitude when I got the call. Um, and as soon as I got off the phone and accepted, I called Gabe Vincent because that's one of my closer friends um, who played together in, in Stockton, Sacramento. Um, I called him like, yo, we're going to be teammates again. And he was like, he was like so excited. Right. And then he called me back an hour later and said, dude, I got COVID. So we're not going to be teammates. <laughs> um, which it ended up we were because I got another 10 day and a two way and whatnot. Um, but I just remember talking to him. Just I just asked him, I was like, hey, just like give me a heads up of, you know, everyone hears these stories about Miami and heat culture and whatnot. But like, tell me what to like, what should I expect? I know a lot of guys are out. So it's maybe a different feel than it would have felt at the beginning of the year or previous years. He's like, look, man, just be you. And I was like, all right, I can do that. That's what I do best. So, you know, I definitely knew going in. I had extensive conversations with uh, uh, Eric Glass um, from from the the heat coaching staff. And he was like, look, man, like, this is a unique situation. Like, you're a scorer, you're a shooter, you're a ball player. Like, just be that. Um, don't turn down shots. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you asked for it. And then the, the first game was obviously that that Houston game. Um, well, I, I mean, technically it was San Antonio, but it got canceled. Um, so I had to wait another uh, day uh, for Houston. Wow. So, you know, and one thing you bring up is the whole heat culture thing. And for some people, when they're introduced to it, it's something else. So I just want to know, like, what was it like being exposed to the heat culture? And do you feel that it's something that you could use in the future? For sure. I think I think for me, I fit in so well because I went to UVA, who also has their own type of culture, very similar, you know, blue collar, hard work, underdog mentality. Um which definitely prepared me for Miami. You know, if I would have went somewhere else, I'm not sure I would have been quite ready. I like to think I would have, um, but there's no guarantees. So definitely being coached by Tony Bennett, being in that program for three years, helped mold me um, as a player and, and a locker room uh, guy. Um, and so when I got to Miami, you know, it, I loved it, honestly. Um, it's Everyone thinks it's like the military. I didn't feel it was, you know, like that at all um but again again it's covid year so maybe it's a little different uh, for me than you know like i heard everyone i know everyone here heard the jermaine o'neill talking about struggling with the body per, uh body fat percentage <laughs> and the oreo and stuff like i don't have that problem you know i'm a, a, a fairly light player so i don't really have that issue so it's just different for different people but um it's a it's a it's a unique locker room of individuals on that team like there's a lot of strong personalities vets young guys it's a a mix of everything so you know getting thrown into that is not like a easy you know kumbaya thing it was um you have to earn their respect um you got to work hard and you have to really buy in for them to accept you which is you know just as important as as you going in and, and accepting them right 
Yeah. So yeah. You, you mentioned just now that, you know, the locker room, we all know, has a unique mix of personalities, a lot of similarities. Everyone there isn't a dog. And I could tell that was one of the things about you coming in that first game against Houston, lighting it up, first possession, pulling for three. That was pretty yeah. awesome, man. So and you <laughs> talked about how you was close with, uh, with Gabe Vincent coming into the team. So I was curious in your time with uh, when you were called up to the heat and on the two way. Was there anyone else that you were able to form a quick, you know, close friendship with or anybody else that you were pretty close with prior to joining Miami? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I, that also helped. I should have mentioned that. It definitely helped. I, I played with Dwayne Denman in Sacramento. Um, me and Tyler were in the same pre-draft house for three months. Uh, we're the same agency. So I knew, uh, you know, a lot of cats. I knew Duncan, like, through passing, that, like, super well. Um you know, uh, Javante, same way. I knew Caleb Martin pretty well, too. So, like, you know, I knew a lot of guys. And that's something I, like, I I think that I bring to the table is, like, I can talk and fit in with anybody. And I know a lot of people and, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people because, you know, relationships are, you know, one of the more important things in my life. So, um, I got really – I mean, I was already close with Gabe, you know, got closer because we're in the same city again. Um, but Max and Caleb – um, I hung out with like a lot, a lot, um, with Gabe. Um, so that was kind of my crew at least. Um, and then when Haywood and Javante came, you know, we hung out a lot, uh, in the gym together cause we were in the same boat kind of, you know, not really playing, but we're practice players, et cetera. Um, so, and then, you know, I'm a big card guy. So that, that kind of got my shoe in the door with, uh, Jimmy and Kyle, um, cause they're big card guys. So. Yeah. On the topic of relationships, how would you describe yours with Eric Spolstra? Because we know he's definitely a top 10 coach of all time. And I got to know, like, what type of impact do you think he's had on your game? And just him as a person, what is your impression of him? Yeah, man, I'm a, I actually just sent him a text after they lost. You know, I mean, he's probably not going to respond, which is fine. Probably has plenty of, you know, more important people to respond to. I just said, man, you got a lifelong fan out of me. Um, earned a lot of respect. He was um, awesome in the huddles, a lot of like freedom to the players, but not like he won't get taken advantage of, you know, he still can hold his ground with, with the best of them. You guys saw like literally the, the week after I got cut with the whole incident with him and Jimmy, like I, personally, I knew having been there for three months, I knew that that was only going to make them better um, while everybody else was freaking out because that's just who, I mean, not only Jimmy, but that's who, you know, Spo, Spo is, is um, a, a really fierce leader. Um, he's got, you know, real solid X's and O's, great communication with the players, um, demands a lot. Um, and greatness is something that we talked about every single day. And the, like he had a, per, he had a really good uh, way of like, making sure you're focused on the moment, but never lose sight of the big picture, which was the championship. Um, obviously they ended up falling short, but I mean, hell of a season. And he, he's, he's definitely, you know, top four five, six coach um, uh, of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. I want, I want to continue on with the, um, with the, you know, the heat organization and the way that you, you fit in there. What were the big differences in your opinion between, you know, these are like the organization like Miami and then like Sacramento and Cleveland. Like, was there, is there like a big difference? Was there a culture shift when you, when you had to uh, switch sides? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge difference. Um, <laughs> a huge difference. Uh, 
believe it or not, man, it's just, it, it was more organized, more structured. Um, not in like, again, not in like a military way or a annoying way, but like the way you want it, like you're never going to have a problem with getting a meal after practice. You're never gonna have a problem, like losing your bags. You're never going to have a problem with, Hey, what time is my shooting time? None of that. It's very organized and structured, um, which is different from a lot of NBA uh, front offices, uh, believe it or not, and organizations. So, um, that was, and then everyone in the locker room is for the most part on the same page. You know, it's really hard to get 17 guys on the same page, not even, you know, counting, um, coaching staff, uh, but 17 players on the same page, you know, and they were pretty much 15, 16 or 17 players were all on the same page, um, to whereas, you know, where I've been before it's, you know, way less. So, um, those are, those are distinct differences that I, that I found. Right. And then, you know, another thing is, you know, when you look at the way how players shape their game, you know, they like to model it after a certain player or whatever. So, like, for you personally, like, was there any players in today's generation that you modeled your game after? And, like, if so, like, why those specific players? Yeah, I kind of just take a little bit from everyone. If I can find something from LeBron, great. If I can find something from... Steph Curry, awesome. And Steph's probably more so than anybody else just because we're similar size. And, and I mean, he's the best shooter ever, but, like, you know, somewhat same uh, shooting ability. Um, so, I mean, he was definitely one. I My favorite player growing up was Kevin Garnett, actually, because, I mean, number one, uh, the, the KG's uh, initials, but also just – he was a dog and I always wanted to be a power forward, which obviously didn't work out for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just kind of take what I can get and being in, being playing with the highest level guys, you know, um, high school, college, G league, NBA, you learn something from every player you play with too. So I learned a lot from Jimmy's very uh, lead by example guy. Um, Kyle was awesome, like off the court in the way that he um, handled like, given advice and whatnot, which was awesome. I learned stuff from Gabe, Caleb's motor. You know, you learn a lot from a lot of different players. Harrison Barnes, when I was in Sacramento's professionalism, like there's a lot that that you learn um, from just p- playing with all these different guys. Right, yeah. Yeah, one of my uh, least favorite players growing up was Kevin Garnett, but only because he used to kill Miami back with Boston. So it's, it's yeah. respect at the end of the day. You know, it's respect. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you know, what I want to know yeah. – no, what I was curious, man, I got to ask you, are you aware of the nickname Quattro Leches? Uh, I don't think so. Uh-uh. Not, all right, man. It was a big thing going on on Heat Twitter in your time here because obviously you came in, like I said, you was balling out with us, especially that first game versus Houston. We was all mm-hmm. waiting for Mario to check in. He never came in, but you yeah. was lighting it up so much. I didn't care. I was like, but then uh, we know that Tres Leches is the Latin dessert mm-hmm. popular in Miami with the three milk. So then we had a couple of white boys, you, Tyler, Duncan, and Max. <laughs> Quattro Leches on Twitter, Quattro man. Quattro so, yeah. So oh, you didn't know, awesome, you, you got one of the most awesome uh, nicknames for a quartet in NBA history. That's pretty fire. That's pretty fire. I think so, too. I think so, too. You were, you were talking about your favorite player. I am a little curious. Who was your favorite team growing up? You know, was it the Pacers? I mean, not, not necessarily the place you were born as your favorite team, but I'm just curious. Uh, well, I mean – I'm a huge Bengals fan because my dad's from Cincinnati. So like they were the, the professional sports team that I was the most invested in still am. Um, 
but as I grew older um, and started realizing like how much of an impact I could have in my city and my community, like I got a lot of love um, for Indianapolis, man. So, I mean, growing up, I did, I watched the Pacers. I liked them. Fred Jones was one of my favorite players too. You know, he wasn't even like a superstar, but he could go. J.O., Reggie, like, you know, I could go on and on. There's um, a lot of fun memories and I didn't like the Pacers, but I wasn't like a, diehard fan um because honestly football is my first love so i, I was watching football all the time um, i just played basketball because i was athletic and i was you know six foot in middle school so i like had some size and um and i was i mean i was good at it it wasn't like amazing but i was pretty good and had some good instincts and i actually used to until eight until high school i shot like this i shot with two hands i was not a good shooter until high school um fun fact so yeah, um, I've noticed uh, during so far in the pod, you, you've mentioned that some people think that Miami is like this military, uh, comes like, like a military background sort of thing, really you know hard and 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 they train you well. Um, do you know of any other like conceptions? What like did, when you heard that you were going to go to the Miami Heat, did you have any other conceptions about where like what the team was going to be like before you got there? Like, were you surprised about some things? Um. I guess I was a little, I'd like a tad bit surprised that it wasn't more military-like just from everything I had heard and expectations that were set for me. But, um, you know, I, it was, it was ran real smooth and I loved being a part of that um, organization. Some of the better memories, um, I mean, definitely in the NBA for me, um, you know, tied career high, played like six games straight, like a shit ton of minutes and like actually produced. So that was, um, that was a dream come true. That's all I'm trying to do, man. I'm not, trying to be the best player ever i'm just trying to you know be a, a great teammate get on good teams and win uh, i like to consider myself a winner so that's all i'm trying to do is is contribute to, to good organizations like the heat right and i love that you know you were able to get adjusted to it because like what you mentioned earlier with some guys like jermaine o'neill and all of them like they might have a hard time doing that you know just trying to fit in with the culture so i'm really glad to know that you were able to do it easily and um, like next up, like I just want to say congrats because I know um you and your wife uh, welcomed your first child before this NBA season started. Mm-hmm. So you. I just Thank wanted you. to know, uh, you know, <laughs> so like I'm um, like, what was the transition like? Um, balancing being a first time dad and being a professional basketball player. Yeah, it was tough, man. I uh, he was born September 21st, and I went to training camp September 25th. So. I got four good days with him and then I uh, went to Cleveland um, and he wasn't ready to travel and, you know, just a big shock uh, to my wife and everything. So we kind of just let her stay in Indy while I was in Cleveland. Um, and they came and visited once. And then other than that, I didn't really see him until he was about four months old, um, which was, you know, whatever, January, late January, when they came down to Miami and stayed for me with them for a month. Um, and then they went home when I got sent to Sioux Falls um, and then I ended up getting cut and, and went back to Cleveland for the last three games and then went home. So I've been home with them for three months now and eight months old. It's, it's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're able to spend more time with them now. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah, and I follow you on Twitter. So I came across your own foundation, the Cow Guy Foundation. And I saw yeah. you do a, a lot of really awesome things, some pretty cool fundraisers and donations with a variety of great causes. So I was just wondering how that all came about. Yeah, I just, 
like I said, I got a lot of love for my city, not just the city, like just you know, people and, and the world in general, but um anything I can do to help I I I jump on even if you know I really don't have room on my plate for it. I usually will say yes anyways. So um the foundation was something I always wanted to do. Um and you know, when I was growing up there's a lot of professional athletes that had foundations, but they didn't really they weren't involved with it very much. It was just kind of they just had it to say they had it. And so I just try to do the opposite. I just try to be super involved. I am with my I have an AU program too. And I coach one of the teams. I'm at a lot of practices, like trying to drop knowledge and, and help out any way I can. So I just like, you know, being known as someone that's super involved with everything I do. And the foundation was, you know, one of the cooler things I've ever done. You know, got to meet a lot of cool people, help people out and, um, you know, put together a lot of great causes that we were able to, we were to help aid and, and, and make a difference. Nice. I have a, I have a bit of a general question. Um, Mm -hmm. so during the practices and games, who did they call Kyle? Was it you or was it Lowry? Um, I mean, some of the players would call him low. Um, but for the most part, they called us both Kyle. We just both look. And, but I mean, also, other than those five or six games I played, anytime they said Kyle, they were talking to Lowry or talking to me. So, <laughs> you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It would have been different if I was yeah. like a role player on the court a lot. Then maybe we would have had to come up with a nickname. But for the most part, man, if they said Kyle, they weren't talking to me. <laughs> I mean, just to quickly hop in, I mean, I know Jimmy thought they were talking about you and the own press conference, I remember. Yeah, but I feel like that was just because I just got to the team and played well. And they, you know, they had they actually had questions about me. But for the most part, like other than like I said, other than that, it was two weeks. They were pretty much always talking to Lil. Okay. Going back to personnel and, and preconceptions and stuff like that, when you, when people think of, of Udonis Haslam, they think of this, you know, big, tough, scary dude and stuff like that. Um, from your personal experience, what's he like? What's he? What's he? What's the real Udonis Haslam like? Uh, well, the, part of the real Udonis Haslam is all those things that they say. <laughs> you know, uh, he's um, he is all those things, but he is a really, really great person. And he was someone towards the end of my time. I started to just like pick his brain, talk to him, um, just learn as much as I could because. There's a reason he's still on the bench. He's still involved in the games because he has something to offer, and it's it's here now, and he knows that, and that's what's so inspiring. And honestly, part of what this summer is for me and giving back to my city is kind of how he is with Miami. Like, I saw that, and I wanted to emulate it, just, like, how involved he is and how much he gives back and helps people out and how, like, people, like, they literally, like, worship him for how good of a dude he is and how much he does for that city growing up there playing college not too far away and then NBA there whole career so I mean that's you know that's the goal right and so um you know I definitely started picking his brain towards the end of the year because it was getting close to summer I got foundation AU program golf out and we're putting on a pro-am I got a lot of stuff going on so I was like just trying to see how he managed everything he does um in Miami and and try to emulate that back home and and the map Right. That's so great to hear that he was able to mentor you because I know a lot of key players like to mention how much he's mentored them. And, you know, but like going back to um, your story, you know, like 
what makes it so inspiring is the fact that you found your way to get noticed by so many NBA teams already, you know, like even after getting drafted late with the 55th pick and, you know, Mm -hmm. for some basketball players, like they might get discouraged by it, you know, like wanting to get selected earlier, but it's clear that you prefer to use it as motivation. So like with that in mind, like what would you tell the future basketball players that are listening to this pod you know, if they were to wind up in a situation where they get drafted late or in some scenarios not get drafted at all? Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, every time I'm asked this question, I say something different because there's so much to say. If I could say something to my younger self, I'd have something different every day. Um, I just think, man, uh, belief in yourself is more important than anything, even the work you put in. You know, you can work harder and more than anyone else but if you don't believe in yourself then it don't matter so um, I would just really work on your confidence your mental uh, state um, and and that's going to take you further than anything else so I, I definitely use any adversity or negative comments or positive comments whatever it is I always use it to, to fuel my fire and that goes for the heat too you know I know it's a business and I was so thankful for my time there but they cut me but I don't want to be anywhere I'm not wanted. So I don't really have any, I was very detached from it. I was like, okay, great. Thank you so much for the opportunity, but like, you don't want me. I don't want to be here anyway. So, you know, I was, I was in that sense, I was kind of glad they cut me. Right. You don't want, I don't want to be at the end of the bench or be in an organization that doesn't like value me or, or, um, and they did value me. That's the wrong word, but they just, they, they obviously moved on. They, they wanted something else or something different. And so that's fine. That's great. That's part of the, part of the game, part of the business. Um, and I was very actually surprisingly to myself, I was very okay with it because I don't like, I, again, I'm just going to use that to whatever happens next for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Respect, man. I, I somewhat relate. Sometimes I'm playing pick up ball and someone will pick me up and then the best dude in the courts walks in and they draw me to pick him up. And then I'm like, All right, uh-huh. I hope you win, man. I want to be, yeah, yeah. Man. So respect. Yeah. And I, I was, them. dude, listen, I was mm-hmm. rooting for the heat. I wanted them to win. Like, it's not like bad blood or anything. It's just like, cool. It's like with, it's it's like what Fifty Cent said. What he say? He's like, people think I want problems, but it's like, you know, I got no problems. But if you got a problem, no problem. You know. Yeah, so it's just it's like that. It's no no bad blood. I was rooting for him. I, um, and I just wanted to go on record saying I fully condone that shot by Jimmy. I don't. Maybe oh. the question was coming. Fully condone it, and I will tell you why if you want me to. I'm with you. Well, what do you got? What do you, what do you think? Because I'm with you. I think listen, most of the nation is too. So what do you think? Listen, man, number one, if anyone's taking the last shot, especially with Tyler not really playing, like it's going to be Jimmy. He earned it. Like he, his postseason was unbelievable. He had 80 points in the last two games combined leading up to that shot. And he was open. It's not like he shot a forced contested three. He literally had three feet of space. And down 11, whatever it was, two minutes left, and you cut it to two, and they don't score one time, you're on a 9-0 run at home, that's a great shot. Basketball gods, energy, vibrationally, whatever you believe in, that was a fucking awesome shot. I wish you would have made it. With you, man. We all thought it was going in. We all yeah. did that. Man. I had a, and I had and a- listen, he did it early enough to where you got – yeah. like, they still had a chance. Like, yeah. you know, fouled him down four with eight seconds left. They got two good looks at it. Well, they weren't great looks, but they got two looks at it. So, I'm I'm cool with it. I, I think, you know, with the momentum that was riding 
and FTX is about to explode. I, th- I think that was a good shot. Knowing Jimmy, he'll hit it next time. For sure. I had another question about the Heat organization, but I feel like that's been touched on a lot. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. You mentioned your love for the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, they had an amazing season. And really, all I want to just say is I'm jealous, man. I'm sitting here with Tua and Waddle, barely missing the wild card. Meanwhile, you got Chase and Burrow. You're going to be competing for Super Bowls for the next decade, man. So You'll be for sure sure competing for playoffs with Tua. I don't know if he's – I think he's good. Contrary to what everybody says about him, I think he's mm-hmm. a good quarterback, but I don't know if he's – I mean, he's not Joe Burrow, and I don't think he's going to lead you to the Browns plan. Nah, I'm just saying, Cincinnati should have been us, man. So I was just curious what it feels like to root for a winning football organization because I've never had that, man. I've never had it. I mean, hold up. Let's let's not forget the 20 years I went through <laughs> of being a Bengals fan. Like, we, we won a lot. Like, we would have a great season, um, and then we would have a terrible season. And it was just up and down, no playoff wins in 31, 32, 33 years. So I'd never seen a playoff win in my entire life until this year. Think about that. So, you know, and, you know, we, I just, I've always been a super loyal fan. And um, I mean, growing up was awesome. But um, it was also awesome playing for the Heat just with the connection with Ocho Cinco because, like, uh, he was my favorite football player ever. Um, and, um, and being a Bengals fan, like I was actually getting a lot of shit from OG from uh, Udonis because he was calling me a bandwagon. He didn't know that I was really rocking with them when I, I was I when that. I was rocking with them when I was wearing the diapers. Man, I was I was really about Cincinnati. So yeah, we love Chad Johnson, man. Respect. But I've yeah. seen the Heat win more championships than Dolphins have had playoff appearances in my lifetime. So I'll be yeah, rooting for Cincinnati. If we don't make it, man. I like y'all squad. Yeah, man. I do. I appreciate it. All right. Well, first of all, I also want to say I approved of the Jimmy shot. It's just you just take that shot. You, you were he wasn't going to get a better look than that. So I just want to say that. And obviously, at the time, I think a lot of us were like, why would you take that shot? But once you process it a little bit, it really makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my last question to you was, with the amount of injuries the Heat faced this season, how did it feel to have a role in helping this team stay together and see that it actually got us to the first seed? And even the Eastern Conference Finals at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was – again, I would have loved to be there the whole season and, um, like, really, like, have two feet set in stone with the organization, like, really help them get to where they got. I think, you know, I mean, my 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 part of their journey was, was great for me, and it was, you know, we won some games, and um, I did contribute. Um, but like everyone kept asking me, like if they win, are you gonna like do you get a ring? And it's it's team by team, so I don't even know. But like you know, I, it's not like I'm gonna call myself an NBA champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if they would have won it, so um, I mean I would have took the ring for sure. But like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be posting like yo we I, I wanted the chip, you know? So um, I don't know. But it was it was really it felt great to again do what I want to do. Even though it was shorter than I wanted to do it, I only got two weeks of like real minutes. But to be able to contribute to a winning team was 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 awesome. And we we want all of us Heat Nation. We all appreciate what you did for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just want to commend you again on your on your mental going into this as well. You know, it's not easy, obviously, to get to get cut from the team. Um, but 
you gave us so much, you know, of some so much great times as well from your first game to, you know, all those games. We've made a thousand memes, a thousand memories. Um, yeah, yeah. I just want I just want to know, I think people want to know as well. What's 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 next from now? What's 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 in your plan, what's in your future? What's got what's in what's in the works? What are you thinking? Yeah, the well the beauty of this business is you just you really don't know for the most part. So I'm sitting in limbo right now. Um, I know, you know, I'll get a training camp offer, summer league, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll just see. I'm going to listen overseas. Maybe it works out. I think um, it's uh, personally, I just think it's kind of, I think my window is still open for the NBA and for the league. So I would just like to extend that and, and you know, try to find a team that's going to um, take the, the chance. Miami definitely was the first team in the NBA to, to take a, a leap of faith on me and give me real opportunity, whether they were forced to or not, they did it. Um, you know, because like you said earlier, man, they signed Mario. Like, he did a lot for the city and didn't touch the court. And that's my guy. I played with him too far. Like, that's my guy. I love him. Um, but they gave me a chance uh, when they didn't have to. So if I can just, you know, find another another team that will do that for me and, and for a longer period of time, that's that's what I'm looking for. Well, if you find yourself right. in, in Australia at all, so you can, you know, you'll be sure you got a fan in me over here. Yeah, for sure, man. I got I had a t- I had a teammate in UVA that's from Cannes, so. Oh, nice, nice. Well, it's out very, if if you find your way down here, man, it's just, it's a great vibe, great city, great way to get back into the league as well. A lot of people have done it, and but you know, for hopefully, stay in the league for more Kyle yeah. on TV. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Right. So you know, just uh, overall, that wraps up um today's episode. And once again, you know, thank you so much for agreeing to hop on today's podcast, Kyle. And we cannot wait to see what the future holds for you, man. And just know that you got support of members of Heat Nation everywhere. And we're rooting for you. You know, we hope you get picked up by a team very soon. We know it will happen. You know, we've seen you play. You know, we've, we see the potential in you to do some really big things. And we really wish you could stay in Miami. But if, you, if, you, if it led to this point where you're not with the team anymore, you know, we know you'll continue to do big things, you know, wherever you are in this league. So we can't wait to see you know what's in store for you so just yeah. just to let you know like you got everyone on this pod support and all of heat nation rooting for you i appreciate it man i got a lot of love for heat nation in miami so um i'll be back and you know again anyone i play for or city i go to i i now have a obligation to to give back in some way or another so i'll be around man we love to hear that and um before we close it out uh, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even if it's the offseason. And with that being said, once again, thank you, Kyle. And thank you to all those for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.